Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Equity of up to £150 million. Pounds. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aesthetica. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 86. We've got a couple of games to talk about, and I've got three of my favorites alongside to do it with. We start by throwing it out to Scott up in the PNW. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, what's going on, man? Chilling. Good weekend. Three points. Um, brother moved up here to you this week, so it's always nice to have family more local um and yeah they got a couple games to talk about like you said we we got three points in the league and as a league guy i'm fucking buzzing so you just want to skip past frankfurt and i can never keep up i can never keep up whether he's a cup guy or a league guy from week to week but uh league guy this week makes sense uh todd is also with us at tc underscore kasho tc what's going on brother you know, any day, guys, any day that you get together and talk uh, talk a little footy with your mates, have a little three points in the uh, in the league, especially when you're here with a big league guy like Scott, big, big league guy. <laughs> uh, it's a good fucking day, guys. We're third in the table after a quarter of the season, and I can't complain about it. I know we're going to come on to it, but I can barely contain my excitement. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it, it, you know, I did do a little standings check for the first time uh, this season this morning, and yeah, I was pleased to see, oh yeah third that's not that's not too bad for for where we are uh shuban is also with us he is at the real shuban he is no longer running around the tottenham hotspur stadium uh celebrating all of the beer purchases and the uh the the merchandise purchases of nfl games he's back with us on the pod (laughs) what's going on man well first of all that wasn't me but i am glad that they really are going to help to pay the mortgage (laughs) it's never and and, um yeah uh you know what yeah and you know what unfortunately i wasn't able to go to brighton but the person that cost me that Brian ticket saw his team lose. So again, I'm pretty, I'm pretty chuffed. Oh man, go pack, go. I guess, uh, or or not. I love you. I love you. I, I love everyone in the NFL equally. I have no animus to any team. So yeah, I'm Mister Neutral. Who, I'm Switzerland. For those who didn't see uh, on social media, Saquon Barkley, uh, the running back for the New York Giants, uh, rocked the Spurs third kit prior to them rocking the Green Bay Packers at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this morning. So that was cool to see uh, very well. Uh, all of that is great. Um, gentlemen, we've got a, uh, a sour note to start the podcast on. Um, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club suffered a real um, a real tragedy this week, the death of Gianpiero Ventroni, the, the fitness coach. Um, I don't really know where to start with this other than 
it was sudden and it was heartbreaking to see all of this go down this week. Um, obviously, Spurs played earlier in the week at Frankfurt and then in between the game against Brighton, um, learned of this news as they, you know, uh, returned to England. And um, Shuvan, I'm going to start with you, man, because um, you're closer to this and closer to the club. And um, this this was a lot for, for the club itself to go through. And obviously, everyone here at the depot, there are, our thoughts are, are with, you know, everyone who was close to this man, but um, 62 years old and, and, and that's just way too young to, to go through something like this. And, and, and uh, it's, it's just, I don't, I have, I don't have the words for it. It was very, very sudden. Um, I sadly lost someone I lost actually to the same illness this week, but that's something that the nature of the illness is you can have it for many years and then pass, or you can have it very suddenly and then also pass. That's the nature of the illness itself. But um no, it was very sudden. I mean, apparently they were, I mean, apparently he was talking to him on Thursday and things, whatever day he was talking to him on, uh, Conte, and and then suddenly he passed very, very quickly. They obviously then cancelled the press conference, which is obviously the right thing to do. And there was a clear outpouring of love for, you know, the late uh, Gian Piero Ventroni. And it was very touching. I mean, you see the, <clears throat> the, the, the reactions from everybody, not just... Uh, was it Ryan Mason, who obviously coached with Ventroni, um, Richardson, who had just joined, Sonny and Kane. I think there's a very good article, I think, in Gazetta, which talks about, he talks about the difference in the coaching that he has to do between Sonny and Kane. And it was just incredible. I mean, like, you know, he, he was nicknamed Marie. I think he served in the Italian uh, services. And he was not renowned for, like, the fitness conditioning. You mean Juventus, the, the Italian national team as well, gave out tributes. Uh, one kind of very amusing story about Ventroni was apparently, I think Viali, uh, who's, a, who's a very lovely guy, lost his rag with him and literally had to literally, was, was so very frustrated. He locked him in a room and called the police on him because he was just, he was just driven nuts by Ventroni or something, it was, which sounds really out of character for Gianluca Viali. But he was literally, I mean, you saw the effects. I mean, I think he had, I think it was in Korea, like the players were just running these incredible laps and everything else and they were like exhausted. But you know what? Yeah, do you know you want someone that would run through a brick wall for you? I think I don't know if that's an, an analogy you got you, you Americans have as well, but he he definitely was someone that the players were willing to run through brick walls. I think we spoke about earlier of last season that we were very low on the running stats and sprints and distance covered everything, and it's as if suddenly it just transformed overnight. Yeah, no, it didn't obviously. It wasn't it wasn't like that, but and you can see how the outpouring of emotion. Um, Harry Kane obviously when he scored his goal, I never cover, but he. Obviously, signal to it. Uh, there was a really touching moment. Uh, Hugo Lloris carrying the Gem Pero shirt. But I was saying to you guys off air that I've only heard in my that I can remember in the last 10 years or so, like us singing for people being connected to the club, whether it be, you know, and I think it was Ryan Mason when he had that horrific brain injury, um, Fred Mismoamba when he had the heart attack on the pitch, uh, Roger Lipak, the sad like Roger Lipak. Who did who does the voiceover? Big Spurs fan, comedy legend in, in the UK, and then Gian Piero Ventroni. And it wasn't the fact the players knew who Gian Piero, no, not so the fans knew who he was, but clearly the depth of feeling that the players had for him. I mean, Richarlison, I think that was the that was extremely touching because the fact that he's only been there what three or four months, but the the effect he had on Richarlison and that I think, and it was just they permeated. I think Basuma, I think Tongi and Dombele put a little tribute out to him as well. He so did. it wasn't just it wasn't just the players who are still out of the club. It's the players that have, have now moved on. 
they were clearly touched by the work he had and you know i think you know there's nothing but kindness being spoken about him and let, let, let it long be that way and my thoughts i think oh sorry our thoughts if i can if i can be so bold go out to his family and loved ones and um yeah that's kind of all i can really say about that no question i think that the, the point you make about the way that this team turned around its fitness and we're just talking about you know ventroni as as a you know as a trainer, his, his actual job and how good he was at it. Obviously a lot of credit went to Antonio Conte because he's the head man. But after the, the uh, managerial stint of, of Nuno last season, um, you know, when, when Spurs turned things around, when Conte came in, it was, it was Ventroni as the fitness coach that had a big hand in that, in, in turning this team around into a team that could be running in the 85th minute and running rush out over teams. I mean, it's just, you know, this this was a big part of this man's job, and he did it so, so well. Yeah, I Dyer put out a quote, I think, that that is worth highlighting, uh, or not a quote, a statement, whatever you want to call it, right? Pages Respects on Instagram, and he said, I'll just read it, it's a little long, but we didn't know each other long, but I know everyone would agree. It wouldn't take you long to leave your mark on anyone that was lucky enough to be in your presence. Your commitment and passion to helping every single one of us in understanding our real limits and to constantly push them is unmatched. Then he puts in quotes or in parentheses, sorry, you'd probably look at me at this point and say, Eric, there are no limits. The endless lessons you taught me will stay with me forever. And more importantly, I will do everything to continue to try and implement them in my life and profession. I'm going to miss these morning gym sessions, uh, prof professor and cherish them forever. I'll sign off like you always did, strength and honor. So I think, like why I love that quote so much is, there's certain people who, first of all, because it pays, start over, I love that because it pays respect beautifully to, to the man, right? But I think, um, and Dyer does have a way with words, I think you can say too, right? It's, 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 it's beautifully put, but there's certain people who, transcend you know that human element or the human limit and he seems to be one of them and i think there are people who like impact your career and whatever right but there are also people who impact your life and like change the way you live your life as a person right and it seems like he actually will have an impact on the way many of these players live their life for the rest of their life right so i think that's that's the difference between a coach and somebody like a john pierre ventroni who I will not pretend to know have known much about before his passing right but it just seems like he was a very special person who again you know even conte will have less of an impact on these guys lives than john pierre rentroni from from the things that we're seeing you know after his passing and um those types of people are very special right so it's it's a huge loss for the club but humanity in general when you lose people like that so rest in peace and strength to his family and loved ones for sure so yeah i just think i'll uh i think i'll sum it up by saying um the reaction from harry kane when he scored and the post-match reaction from both him and ryan sessignon just kind of talking about the um emotional struggles of the week um just kind of let you know what kind of wake jean piero cast um and I think the, the point you made is extremely important, Scotty. And, and that is, is that um, 
you know, I was, I was talking to somebody very close to me this week about the impact that coaches have the ability to make on people, not just their, their playing ability, but on the people that they coach. And, and it's something that, that your parents can't do. It's something that your peers can't do. It's something that, that your, your um, siblings can't do. Your coach has the ability to speak to you in a way that allows you to search the depths of yourself for your personal definition of greatness in a way that no other person in your life does. And I think that Jean-Pierre, I think what Jean-Pierre did was shine a light on that corner of our players for them to see what was truly possible within themselves. And I think when you remove that type of influence from any organization, it's certainly going to make for quite an emotional week. So, yeah, and and no, really well said. And and I heard, listened to a, a Conte press conference this morning. I'm not sure when he gave it, to be honest, but I heard it this morning. And he, you know, he just he mentioned a few things. He said that the players were, you know, were were absolutely devastated. Um, and I think, you know, we saw that. But the way that Conte said it, you know, I, I'll never do it justice, right? But but he was speaking in ways that just. It, really made you understand that the players were feeling this deeply, right? Um, he also said a few times in the interview that Jean-Pierre Ventroni was more of like a scientist than a coach, right? That he was obsessed with learning and gathering knowledge and just never, ever, ever stopped just gathering and reading and absorbing, right? He was always trying to do everything better. Players were talking about how you know, even even their fitness, you know, routines, regimes, he was always tweaking their stretching exercises. You know, he found a way to just stretch, you know, this certain muscle a little bit better in a book last night. You know, I'm totally going down a rabbit hole here, but you understand the point, right? He was just just craved, craved knowledge. Right. And I think that continues to just shine the light on this type of special person that he was. So there's no question about it. And I think that you know, even more so from specifically from Conte, we saw that he wasn't he, he he was a coworker. He was a you know a member of the staff. He was a friend, um, and we saw that through Conte, through through Conte's tears um, in in the moments silence before before the game against Brighton. Um, this is this is this is, he lost a friend, and that's that's difficult for anyone to go through. And um, the strength that he's shown and the strength and the resilience that the club has shown through this, um, I think is admirable. And I think it's something that, that we don't, you know, we stop and pause and talk about it because it's important. Um, and also because you, you, this is not something that clubs or organizations go through very often. And, and, and thankfully, so this is a rare thing. Um, uh, but it's, it's an important thing to, to, to recognize and, and acknowledge and, um, and praise the life of a man that, that, yeah, many Tottenham fans may not have known before last week, but obviously it's someone that, you know, this, I think it also speaks to the, the number of, of, of people behind the scenes that, that make this thing what it is that we, that we love and celebrate. This is, you know, this is, this is like not a guy who was a face of a, of a club, um, but he was obviously a really important part of it and he will obviously um, be missed. Um, there is no, absolutely no easy way to transition out of a conversation about the difficulty that, that the club has gone through to talk about games, but there are two of them that, um, 
that we have yet to speak about this this week uh, on a podcast, and, and we're going to do that now. We're going to go back and do this chronologically because Spurs uh, were in Germany for Champions League action earlier in the week on Tuesday, um, and it was a nil-nil draw with Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, this was the same exact lineup that we saw last week in the North London Derby, Todd, and I don't think that's a surprise to anyone because – we kind of maybe we would have expected to see one or two changes, but we knew that Emerson Royale would start because he wasn't going to be able to start in the league. Um, we kind of, I think some of us might have expected to see a formation change, which we will get to because we did see that in the Brighton game. But um, this was to me, when you boil it down, if you wanted to just sum this game up, this was a game that I thought Tottenham played really well in, but didn't have any finishing product from any of their front three in Sun, Kane, and Richarlison, and that's why it ended up being a nil-nil draw rather than a one-nil or maybe even two-nil victory. Um, well, yeah, that's I mean that's one hundred percent accurate. And to be completely honest with you, Andrew, that's kind of the theme of our entire fucking season to this point in time. Is everybody's bitching out there? I shouldn't say everybody neutral pundits and fans are here we go <laughs> are bitching about Conte ball being boring as shit and isn't he just a fancy Mourinho and la da 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 and the thing is is if we're putting away if we're putting the ball into the back of the net like we're capable of doing we're not having these fucking conversations because these are convincing victories or wins when instead of draws and that's truly how I feel if you look at the match even and we're going to come on to it if you look at the match even uh, against Brighton we had issues finishing at the back post or finding open chances or converting when we should have. You can look all the way the, – the match in, in the North London Derby. We, we had difficulty finishing, finding chances, et cetera, et cetera. I think what we saw at Frankfurt is simply an amalgamation of our entire season to this year. When we, when we finish, we look impressive. When we don't – we look like a Mourinho team. <laughs> Dude, that's a Conte system. Anytime a Conte team doesn't win, it's because it didn't finish. That's the only reason it ever doesn't win. Facts. 100%. And honestly, first of all, anytime, like, there was outrage after this nil-nil draw, right? We have to address that, right? And none of it came from this podcast. But when you, when you are the manager of Tottenham Hotspur and you – put up a shutout you're not walking into the locker room throwing throwing fucking trash cans and screaming at your team like you didn't concede a goal you functionally played well today anytime you didn't concede a goal right we didn't take a a few chances like Conte was probably fine and walked in the locker room and had a pretty level-headed conversation with his team it doesn't align with the outrage from the fans right and that's pretty common but really all my point is on this entire game is we didn't finish our chances. We looked good, and we got a point on the road in the Champions League, and are well well suited to get out of our group next. Like, and I don't mean to just like make light of that match, but I just don't really think there's a whole lot else to say, man. Um, that's that's really what it comes down to for me. I, I was I was not I was definitely upset after watching this game because I thought there were ample opportunities, especially for players like Harry Kane and Youngman's son, who I thought simply put just played bad in this game and 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 I, I include Richarlison in that as well I don't think Richarlison offered much of anything and he was subbed off with about uh 10 or 11 minutes to go and I just I don't think the front three were good 
I thought the rest of the team, however, played really, really well and were really sound defensively. I don't think Eintracht had much of anything going for them uh, offensively. There were a couple of chances here and there, but you know, looking back over it, I I thought the center backs, the, all three of them, especially on the left side with with Clement Longley, I thought he played really well. Um, I just. I don't know. I, I thought the rest of the team, other than those three guys up top, and then I, I, I do want to come on to some of the subs that came on eventually, but I, I just thought those three just had a bad game. They weren't able to link up uh, with, with one another. They were able to link up okay with the midfielders. I thought even the midfielders in Hoybier and Bentoncourt played pretty well. I just thought as a whole, those guys were not – they had no finishing product, Chuban. Just curious, apart from the Leicester game, which obviously we blitzed, but I can't think of any times when all three of them have really combined, say, as effectively this season as we saw Kulu or Deki and Kane and Son last year. Now, I don't know whether it's a case of us trying to shoehorn Richarlison in or whatever, but for some reason, well, I just don't think that chemistry is there. I just think Kulu just fits more better with those so two. There's, with right. no, there's no question about that, Shuban, and I think that's been been talked about a lot, is that Richarlison is naturally better on the left where Sun plays. Or for the middle. Or for the middle. And, well, uh, well no, 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 no. Richarlison in, in – okay. Richarlison, they prefer him to play on the left. He prefers to play on the left. He can play through the middle if he needs to. But it's something where it's very like he wants a Firmino, like a false nine to play like he's playing or to play behind him. Right. It's it's one of those things where that yeah. link of play is extremely important to his game. Decky, on the other hand, controls fucking matches. Yes. And like before the shenanigans that happened in the second half against Arsenal, um, I literally said in our group chat, this game is crying out for Decky. He serves almost as a as a as a 10 on the as a right wing he yeah. serves as a as a as a central attacking midfielder as a you know an Ericsson-esque and not to that extent I'm don't 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 come with your pitchforks for me but an Ericsson-esque player while playing out on the right wing which I think is you know that is what this team was missing in Germany well the physicality it was the physicality for me in the final third. It was the ability to kind of stop, play, and survey, and then make a quality decision. That's one. Yeah. The second thing is is that, and you can watch it, teams don't set up against the left-footed delivery for us. And yeah. so when Decky cuts it back inside and he's able to put it against the run of play with his left foot, you get wide open passing lanes. I think and that's something we're missing a lot of, shoes. I want to say that I don't want to compare him to Musa Dembele. He's one of the best players I've ever seen play for Spurs. But there's, there's there's a Dembele quality to him in terms of his just sheer running. I mean, physically, the guy looks like an absolute monster. I mean, he's like yeah, how he commands space is very Dembele esque. It's not as good, but it's Dembele esque. Well, and it's how he carries the ball too. Yeah, yeah, it's the hybrid of the two, really. I think. Mm -hmm. I, th I mean, I mean, I was thinking about this for today. I think because I, I think I can't remember if it was Todd who came up with it or not, but I think someone said to me it was, it was um, basically Kulu has scored in more in ten games and assisted more in ten games than Lacelso has ever done for us at the club. And yeah. I think the fact that yeah. Kulu is the player we hoped Lacelso would be for us, but didn't turn out to be. And for some whatever reason, we're not playing him, and now obviously we can't play him because he's injured. So. It's a bit of an unfortunate one, really. 
Yeah, it really is. And it's another reason that that taking an international break uh, the way that <laughs> clubs were forced to do uh, weeks before we're going to take a month-long break for a World Cup is absolutely batshit crazy and pisses me off to no end because that's where he got injured was was on international duty um this match as you as you so rightly stated todd um it does not really hurt spurs in any way in their champions league run um it's it's an away point yeah it's an away point uh spurs sit on four points level with frankfurt uh but ahead of them on goal difference uh they still trail sporting by two points and marseille are fourth in the group with three points, this group, the way that it's played out, I don't think has played out. I think Sporting have been the the surprise, and I would almost say pleasant surprise because they're a kind of a almost a fun team to watch. Um, this group has played out in in just an interesting way, and Spurs will of course get Frankfurt on the home leg this coming week, this Wednesday. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. Now, the key to this is you're you're halfway through the group stage you got to win your next two. Like you have to win your home matches against Eintracht and against sporting before going away to Marseille on the final match day, because it, you don't want to leave it to that final match day away to Marseille um, <laughs> needing, needing much from that game. Maybe you, maybe you might still need a point, but you got to win these next two at home because th- then things get, get really dicey. If you don't, if you drop points at home, I think it's just about precision, isn't it? I mean, like, how many times do we see like a, a loose pass or a loose final ball? It just, I don't know. I don't, and, I, and, I, and I've said this, I mean, I, I know Andrew disagreed with me on this, but I definitely, I mean, and another friend of mine who's a Liverpool fan is saying, do you know what? He's looking at Salah, who's not playing as to the levels he was last season. And he said, well, do you know what? Maybe Salah's saving himself for the World Cup. And I think, definitely, I think Kane is because Kane was playing for England. There was no need for Kane to play for England. There wasn't. It was the last games. It's a, it's a pointless friendly, whatever you call it, your Nations League, whatever. Someone like Ivan Tony, who's not played for England, get him starts. But this was the, you know, and I do think that Kane has talked about how much he, the, the cherished England role, England captain, everything else, which is quite rightly so, especially now given this passing of Queen Elizabeth the second, it's going to be a much more highlighted role in terms of what England does. But it's just, I don't know, there's just that precision, that sharpness, so, it just isn't there. Can we talk about the fact that we're playing fucking Champions League games in October and maybe the precision and the sharpness isn't there two months into the season, Andrew? Like, I, 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 I think, I think that this is I think really that's fair. fair. Yeah. I, no, I, I think all of that's fair. And the fact that the group stage is going to be done within a month, like the, the, yeah. the, the, the final three group stage games Focus. are going to be over with in the next few weeks. Um, no, I, I, I get that. You know, the precision thing to me, I, I the, only, the only pushback I'll have for you, Shuban, on the is Kane saving himself thing. I, to me, in this game specifically, there were a few square balls that, that Sun put in that that it, it doesn't come down to him saving himself. It comes down to just that final little piece. And, and if he sticks a leg out here or a head in there, like – He's got two goals on on a couple of those crosses that that Sun was able to put into him. Um, I thought Sonny played better in terms of deliverance, but 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 worse in terms of we we still are seeing heavy touches and just not not a lot of and we saw a little bit of this in the Brighton game even from Sonny, just heavy touches and not quite the he still has pace. He still he he doesn't look slower or anything it's really touches it, like uh, he gets a pass in and isn't able to corral it and turn 
like we've seen him do in the past. And that just comes down to, like I said, the precision. I don't know what other word to come up with other than that. So I, the saving himself part, I, you, look, you would know better than I about the, the pressures that go into what Kane and, and the England side are facing going into this World Cup. I, I as I'm sure many people know, I could frankly give a damn about any of, of what's going to go on during this World Cup. I am so not interested in talking about the World Cup. Uh, I know that we're going to have to do a little bit because there's going to be no club matches to be played, but I, I just, it, it's being held in the winter time. There's other stuff going on, especially over here in the States. There's an NFL season that people are going to be paying attention to. There's going to be basketball and hockey going on here in the States. that people are going to be paying attention to this world cup is not going to be front of mind for me at all. It is, it's going to be about as front of mind for me as these UEFA nations league games have been, which is to say not very front of mind at all. Like I know they're going on. I look at the results good for them, but I understand why players mainly Harry Kane would be, would have an eye turned to, Hey, in a month from now, we're going to be stopping all of this and going off to Qatar and doing what we're doing. So I, I just, it's, it's a tough conversation to have. You say that, but he scored it at like eight and I mean, he's already scored eight goals, like 10. Yeah, and no, like it's, 100%. It's, I mean, and scored against Brighton scored a brilliant goal against Brighton. I just, like it's, I, it's like, the only thing that I would say about the world cup. And again, every fucking podcast, Andrew, it's just, you can't, it's the, it's the giant elephant in the room. You can't overlook it. It's the giant think, elephant think, covered in turds in the room is what it is. Big fact. Like, it's a big it's, shitty it's elephant. A big, You're not smelly elephant. It's a big smelly yeah. elephant. And, <laughs> You're and absolutely I right. I want I want to hose off the elephant and get him out of the room, but he's there. And I but I the problem like is is that right exactly and the, the, the facts are facts. We have two seasons this year. Okay. We have the season going into the yes. World Cup and we have the season coming out of the World Cup. And there's no other way to look at it because to sit here and think that the Premier League table is not going to be impacted by injuries that occur at the World Cup is foolish. Yes. I don't know no. where they're going to happen, but it's a I mean they're going to happen. You're you're 100% right and it's all again. I I hate being so blasé about this being this what this season is, but I just I can't get too hyped up about the World Cup when I'm here to talk about the club that I support rather than yeah. what they're all going to go do in, 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 in a month, month and a half's time. So, and I think it was seven and nine, right. Which is incredible. I think the fact that the, that the Harlan shadow of like what 20 and five or something, right. I think it just makes it look ridiculous, but, but seven and nine is incredible for the beginning of the season. You're getting into your rhythm. It is very good. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh on Harry Kane. I'm just saying uh, there was the rumor years ago that basically Messi was saving himself for the world cup. And then he didn't have a great season in Barcelona. They didn't. They didn't win the final. The next year, MSN goes on to win the Champions League, and it's like, wait a minute, what happened to this Messi? He wasn't here for a year or something. So I'm not saying I'm saying if someone like the best player, Messi, can be leveled at that, saving himself for the World Cup, someone like Kane, I think it's, it's a fair thing to ask to, to suggest. Yeah, and by the way, it, it's it's eight and nine. It's not even seven. And I, nine, I, so I, I, eight and nine. Yeah. It's it's like yeah, it, it, that's really really fucking good. And Harry Kane deserves. Uh, a little bit of credit, but we, when we talk about this Eintracht game, that's the frustration because we saw, you know, they, they put up a goal and a half of, of, of XG in this game and didn't come up with anything. Um, and they probably should have done. 
Uh, I do, before we move off the Eintracht game, I want to talk briefly about not the subs at writ large, because we saw Sessignon come on, we saw Ben Davis come on, and I think that was a smart sub because uh, Langley was on a, on a yellow. Um, I want to talk for a moment about Brian Heal. And this was the first action that Brian Heal has seen. He only saw about 12 minutes worth of action. But my God, it just reinforced that I don't think Brian Heal is long for this club. And I know that that's really that sounds really harsh and really unfair uh, because it's 12 minutes in a in a nil nil against Eintracht. But I am nervous about Brian Hill's long term viability in the Premier League. I don't know. I don't know that that he is number one. I don't think he's a favorite of Conte's, which isn't saying much because he's only played him this little bit. But I just don't see it with him. I think he is a very, very talented player and he's only 21 and I'm not, I'm not writing off his career and saying that he can never do anything. I think he is really well suited to be a very good player in La Liga. Um, and he's proven that on, on his loan stints and, and, and in his previous, you know, club starts. But um, I just don't know that he's a Tottenham Hotspur future star. Well, one of the charges of level Luka Modric when he first came here, it was like he was too slight. But if you look at his legs, I mean, one of the reasons he was able to take so much batterings, his balance was so good because he had legs like tree trunks. And if people talk about how, how strong Dembele was, and he was physically, upper body was very strong, but I remember watching them warm up against Bournemouth, I think. And literally his legs were like twice the size of any of the other players. And I look at Brian Hill and I think I'm at a, I, I know he's done a lot of Instagram posts. Like I'm at the gym, I'm, at, I'm lifting weights and that's great. That is superb. And I commend him and Emerson as well. Cause we've seen as it, he spent, was it one and a half million pounds to try and improve himself, to try and be a better player. So I commend anyone to that self-improvement. But I've like, I, I said, I thought I was really like Brian Hill when I first saw him. I thought, well, if he can go past players, this is really good. And, but these are, those are in friendlies. And then I saw him play in actual competitive matches and he just wasn't able to make it work. Now, I don't say he's going to be like De Bruyne and he's going to go back and he'll come back with some, some will buy him, but Newcastle will buy him for like 70 million in a few years time. And he'll be like the David Silver or something for them. But I look at him and I think right here, right now, he cannot do the job we're asking. And what I don't understand is if this is someone that Conte said, you know what, physically he's not right for the Premier League, then we couldn't loan him out because, as Andrew said, it takes two to tango. That's fine. Then I just think giving him 10, 12 minutes, it doesn't give enough player enough time. I just think you need no, to. No, it I mean, doesn't. I, I, and that's where, I'm, be, that's where I'm admittedly being unfair. I'm taking a yeah. small sample size in the it, game that I saw and saying, I don't see it. But I watched this guy. I watched yeah. this guy play in La Liga last year on loan for, was it Valencia that he was with? I can't even remember mm-hmm. now offhand. I yeah. watched him in games and thought, this guy is good. This guy has something. And he looks good he in does. that league. And then you, you see him come on for Spurs. And again, I'm fully admitting a 12-minute sample size is not does not thought, a, a player make. But it, it just, I, thought, I don't see it. I thought he made a really good account of himself. Uh, to be honest with you, he tracked down that ball in the corner and kept it in. He had a couple of good flashes. Uh, I thought the the passing was crisp. Yes, he got bodied off the ball within his first minute and a half on the pitch, and it didn't start well. So if you stopped watching there, I could understand how you might feel that way. But at the, the after watching the full cameo, I thought that he looked really solid for what he is. The thing is, is that you need to put Brian in a position to be successful. 
And I think the way you put Brian in a position to be successful is you have him start. You have him start cup matches. I think when we get into this cup rotation, you're going to see Brian Heal actually come into the four a little bit more. And it wouldn't surprise me if Conte, as the season goes along and we get past the World Cup, right, especially with the extra time that Brian Heal is going to have hanging around Hotspur away while a bunch of other teammates are gone. I think we're going to see kind of the second half of the season, the the uh, uh, emergence of Brian Heal in, in as a valuable member of the squad. Do, do you think that he made enough of an impact to to earn those starts, not just in cup matches, but to push a player like Richarlison or no. even Lucas Moura when he no. No. Did, did he even push Lucas Moura when he gets back healthy? I don't know because I don't know who Lucas Moura is going to be when he gets back. When you have an injury that doesn't heal, like it, it's hard to say who you are as a player. Plus, is like it's hard to tell if Lucas Moura is 29 or 49. I don't know. So, yeah. I mean, he could literally like be somebody else's player at the end of January, and it wouldn't – I don't know. But the only thing that I know is that Brian Hill could have gone back, and he didn't. And there was a variety of reasons why he didn't go back on loan to La Liga, but he stayed and he's here. And I think that under Conte, I think he's going to show the type of player he is. Listen, they talked about this guy on the same level as Rodri and and, and fucking Pedri in Spain. Like, I, I know. this is the guy. And just because we're saying, oh, he's slight, he can't make it. Fucking Mo Salah was slight. He couldn't make it. Right. And they and they bend him off and he he went to Italy and got his chops up and the defense in Italy is stout, as everybody talks about. And then he came back and he banged it in. And it he, took- you need the right system, Shubes. You need the right system for a guy like Brian Hill to be successful. But to say that he can't be successful in the Premier League, I think, is extremely myopic and very short sighted when you're looking at a guy as young as he is and as talented as he is. I saw Salah's first game in this country. He played um, against against Spurs for the Swiss side. And then I saw him come to, come to England, play for Chelsea, it didn't really work out. He had to go to two Italian clubs. It wasn't just, he didn't come from Roma. He went to Fiorentina, it didn't work out. Then he went to Roma and then things worked out. But I think like anyone, a lot of things have to go right in a, in a player's career for him to get to we become lost in match. a Premier player. We lost that match yeah, against but- Basel. Well, way. we actually drew. We lost some penalties, yeah. But I was, yeah, I was there well, no, no, in Switzerland, we lost. We, we, we lost. We lost some penalties, yeah. But um, I'm saying that game. I'm saying when you look at, say, Brian Hill, I just think you've got to be able to show something that you can hang your hat on. And clearly, he isn't seeing it in training. I mean, I think which I know it's not. Yeah. It's not. Was it possibly say, look, you don't come here to play. You come here to train. Mm-hmm. And then if you train to to the level I'm hoping you will train to, I will then play you. I just think, honestly, it's it's a case of. Do you, do you remember like last year, like Conte was was literally looking on the bench. He had Harry Winks on and whoever on, and he still want to play them. He we literally ran our players into the ground yeah. because he would look onto the bench and he wouldn't play them. And and as if he looked at that bench and he thought, ah, oh, crap, I've got to play Brian Hill. And I'm like, well, I've, got, I've got no one else. There. I haven't got Lucas. Um, I don't mm-hmm. really Perisic. I don't. Do I want to put Perisic there? I don't know. He's knackered. He's a little, he's, he looks a bit tired. Leggy. Could have played Jed Spence. But he didn't. And yeah, for some reason, he won't play Jed Spence. So we've well, got it's someone. Jed Spence isn't ready to play for us. And I think I think he, the, I, that's very clear. And the thing that's but, frustrating about the Jed Spence piece is like, fucking, and, and again, we'll say it, Conte knows more about football than, or has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know in my whole life. 
And he fucking came out and he's like, dude, I'm not fucking stupid. I want to win football matches. Like yeah. if I thought if I thought Jed Spence could help us win football matches, Jed Spence would be fucking playing, but he can't, so he's not. Shut the fuck up and let me do my job. And I respect. But that, but that said, he also referenced Matt Doherty in that conversation, and then started Matt Doherty against Brighton. So. I hear you to, to, to put, to put the, the Brian Hill conversation to bed. I think he is a prime candidate to be loaned back out in January. And obviously the reason that he wasn't this past summer is because they weren't able to get someone else in to replace him because Conte wanted bodies, which I can understand. He wants warm bodies in case, shit really hits the fan injury wise and he's got to he's got to have people to throw out on the pitch a la getting him 12 minutes against Eintracht but I think he is a prime candidate to get a loan in January get another whoever striker or or winger in some kind of attacking player to replace him in January maybe on a short-term loan and maybe James and Maybe maybe James Madison and go from there. But I I just I, I think he is a prime. Ca- like I said, I don't think Brian Hill's career is is written in stone. I don't think he's done. I just I don't know for sure that he is, especially under Antonio Conte. And that's where I will emphasize it. I don't think Antonio Conte sees him as a player that can play for him. Whoa. But in three years, if if Brian Hill remains on the books somehow and Antonio Conte is no longer the manager. Sure, I could see it. I, I just I don't think that it's there's a short term future, Scotty. There are shades of Kennedy. Sorry, sorry, I wasn't saying. No, go ahead, go ahead, Kennedy. There are shades of Kennedy because basically Kennedy was a Brazilian that Chelsea signed, someone who had a lot of potential and everything else. And when they got him, literally no manager ever been able to trust him. And then they kept sending out alone, alone, alone. And then eventually he ended up leaving because, you know, he just obviously was out of contracts. Ended up leaving. I don't want the same to happen to Brian Hill. I just think. Come January, because I think I think apparently he was while he was at Valencia. I think he might have got caught up to the Spanish Spanish squad, or he was definitely well, on the reserve. He's a regular starter on their other under under nineteens, and he's got he's had a couple of senior caps. If I'm not mistaken. Well, and and, and had and had things gone differently for him, he would have had a shot to be in their squad for this World Cup. The, yes, and that's what I'm saying. I think I think yeah. ultimately that kind of I don't obviously if he's not playing, he's not going to get into the World Cup. But unless he was Gareth Southgate, that Spain have the Gareth Southgate managers. But um, basically, it boils down to the fact that I think he's going to have to take the loss of the World Cup. And I think that will focus his mind. That will focus, like, where do I want to be? Because the World Cup, if you're very lucky, will come to you, if if it's not great, three times in your lifetime, generally, the average footballer. This is a World Cup he's lost out on now. And so he will look and say, you know what? I could have been there. I wasn't. I need to focus on where I want to be for the next three, four years. Yeah. That's my plan to get the next World Cup, and I think, I think there will be movement in January, um, and I think because I think he, he has to come to his future as well. Because right now, obviously, one of the reasons that he's able that Spanish clubs generally, apart from Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atletico, I mean, even Atletico, you've seen what they're doing with Griezmann. They are literally nickel and diming players because they got an absolute hit hit by so bad by COVID that they are really struggling. So therefore, the wages that we pay compared to what they can pay in Spain. So obviously he's not like a pay cut unless he really is forced to. So I think there will be a crossroads. He'll come to that and he'll have to make it, make up a decision because, or I think the decision will be made for him. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's always the case. Scotty, did you have anything to put, put to bed on, on Brian Hill? Yeah. I honestly, I think the issue with, with Brian is not his ability, but it's just that he made a poor decision to come to Spurs when he did. And that happens a lot in footballers' careers, right? They make a move at the wrong time. 
um, and then they got to figure things out. I think um, Salah was a great example. I, I even look at De Bruyne. He had to go play in Germany for a couple of years and settle, right? And he came back world class. So I think Brian Hill made a decision to come to Spurs at the wrong time. I think you look at the team around him. I think, first of all, he was, he was brought in for Nuno, right? I don't understand why we were willing to part with Lamella and 27 million at the time, right? I still don't get that one. I think it's maybe one of Ratchet's misses. If there is anyone, it's that, right? But we brought him in for Nuno. We never really had, we never really used wingers. We tried a 4 3 3. Our midfield was fucked. Like it was the most atrocious midfield I've really actually ever seen. I'm not exaggerating. And so we had to figure that out. And then we figured out that. When you have Kane and Son, you really can just play with two strikers, and it's probably wise to do so, right? To get them both centrally focused on goal. So he, he just really never had a sniff at being part of the setup at Tottenham. And now with with Conte, frankly, Lamelo would be much more effective, I think, in this Conte system. But I think you know, uh, it, I just don't even know where he would play. Right? Would it be a wing back? Would it, would, would it be, no. you know, in that front three? No. Of course, you know, exactly. The answer to all these questions is no. That's why I'm asking them, right? So Yeah, I'm not willing to revisit the Eric Lamella, so. like, era in terms yeah, well, of where he would fit. Yeah, but my, I say that. He would, fit, he to, would still fit on the trade the table. That's where he would fit. Sure. But my point is to emphasize that Heel doesn't really have a place in either of the systems he's been a part of. And, he should probably just should have stayed wherever he was, right, and continued to develop. And I think it's – you see a lot of these guys, and I'm trying to think of examples, and I'm not thinking of any off the top of my head, but these guys who do put the brakes on and move, you know, and, um, and, and, and decide to continue to develop. Should even look at Holland, right? When he left Leipzig, there was a lot of teams coming after him. Madrid was sniffing, and he said, yeah, no, I'll go to Dortmund, right? And it's a good it's a good next move for me and it will continue continue to, to develop my career in a wise way um and look at him now right so how how you decide to let your career pan out is very precise and you can you don't have very many chances to get it right and i think he'll just got it wrong you know him and his setup but he can recover from this i think he needs to get out in january and he needs to play regular soccer and um i think he could even be successful in the premier league but if you want my excuse me, if you want my honest opinion, the best loan he he can make is to the championship if he wants to be part of this team. Um, and if he doesn't, then I think he probably should look look to a foreign move. And and I just say that because it's a, such a short season. Like it, he he can go obviously mid level Premier League too, totally right. But like if he goes to a championship club, he's going to be the fucking guy. Every ball is going to be fed straight to him, right? And he can just play soccer and be part of whatever is happening in an immense way. And it's gonna we're gonna come back from the World Cup and have like two and a half months of soccer sustained. England just be be the guy somewhere in the you know in in a, in a team competing does, for for the title in the championship and come back issue, ready to play. I don't know. My issue with that is does playing in the championship make you better ready to compete to play for Conte? And I don't think the answer to that know. question is yes. Yes, it's going to give you that, like, oh, you know, can he do it on a rainy night in Stoke? Sure. But um, it's not going to make you a better fit for Conte. But, I think my, staying at Hotspur, Hotspur way. Go ahead. No, sorry. My thing with Heel is he just needs to continue to become a more physical footballer if he wants to play in England. And it's not 
it's not me like giving the generalist take like oh the game's you know more powerful and pacey in England but it is right like it absolutely is and he's going to have to just I think learn to become more of a physical player which you know happens off the field as well for sure in the gym but ultimately I would love to see him just learn to be more of a physical footballer because I think that's really the only piece that he's missing right now in England as well too. I didn't mean to derail us and take us on a on a 10 15 minute Brian Heal discussion. I'll but, never forgive you. But I just yeah, thought it was notable yeah. that that it's the first time we've seen him on the pitch in a while and um I was less than impressed and I I I don't know. I think there's I think he he's certainly someone who divides opinion and it's something to to watch um going forward. I do want to get us moving along to talk about the Brighton match because um I think the Brighton match was great. Uh even though it's a somewhat nervy one nil. Um, I thought everyone in this match played really well. And and the notable things to come out of it are indeed the switch in formation, which we alluded to earlier. Conte switches to the three, five, two. He brings in Yves Basuma for Richarlison. He brings in Sessegnon back on the left for Perisic. He brings mm-hmm. Davis back in at left center back. And almost most notably for me, we knew there was going to have to be a solution at right wing back. And he brings in Matt Doherty. Um, I, I thought Matt Doherty, did all of the things to prove to me why he is a right wing back and Emerson Royale is a right back in this match. And Shuban, you, you put this in our group chat uh, and I thought it was really kind of, kind of smart. You, you said Emerson is a square peg trying to fit in a round hole system. To me, Doherty is a round hole that goes into a round hole system. And I think that's like the easiest way to spell it out between these two players. I'm not saying Doherty is an incredible right wing back, but he's an actual right wing back. And this is something that we've been saying on this podcast for many, many months, if not years, is that Emerson is not a right wing back. He is a right back trying to play right wing back. Yeah. Not, I think he doesn't come naturally to him. I just think, I think he doesn't come naturally to him. I remember, I think years ago, Chadley, was it Kane went off injured? Chadley went up front and you thought, okay, Chadley can do a job. He's big, he's strong, powerful, good technique. But the understanding, like, oh, I have to do this, the thinking time just wasn't there. And I think for Emerson, I just don't think he's got that. It doesn't come naturally to him, the way he has to think as a right wing back, not not just physically, just the actual thinking, or like, what do I have to do, the decisions I have to make. It's not a natural part of him because that's not what he did for uh, at Barcelona and where he was before. Whereas I think with for um, Darty, I mean, right wing back itself is a, is, a, is a unique position in itself. People think, oh, it's just, oh, do you know what? Oh, you're a right winger. Oh, you can play as a right wing back. Oh, you're a right back. You can play as a right wing back. No, it's a very you know, specific position with, with many nuances and everything else. And it takes time to learn. And I think we saw that in terms of for just, not just um, for, um, uh, was it Matt Darty and Emerson, but even Cess, which I know we're not going to talk about yet, but it, it takes, it, 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 there's an art to learning it. And it's not just, I don't know. I think TC say it better. This is not just being a right a, a wing back. It's being a Conte wing back, and I think yes. there's a difference. I think that's so a great I'll, 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 I'll let TC take it because I can't go justice. Yeah, no. So uh, j- just the, the truth of the matter here is uh, Conte wing backs need to finish, and Matt Doherty has not finished first first. Uh, he had three different opportunities to either sway the ball or finish himself against Brighton, and he uh, didn't. 
uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take a picture. I, I took a picture already. I'll, I'll send it in the group chat for everybody on this pod. Um, sorry for those of you at home wishing you were in the group chat. But um, can, can I interject really quickly, Todd? Yeah, please do. Does that come down to his lack of uh, match fitness coming off of this injury? Or does it come back down to him not being a good right wing back? Because I think it comes down to much more of the former than the latter. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll answer that question, actually. That I don't even think it really matters whether he's good, whether he's going to come good or not. What I was so happy about was that within five minutes, I could tell Doherty is a wingback to your point because he is in the right position every single time. And And that's kind of where I'm at. And, and the finishing can come. It might, it might not, but my, my focus is Conte's system works. Now let's get some wingbacks in. Right. So like we gotta, we're going to have to figure that out. But Doherty was in the correct position all the time, and, and that and makes I'll, me very happy. That's true. And I'll, I'll add to true. that. I'll add to that, Scotty. W- what we see all the time is that he, when he's getting in those positions, he's not finishing because he's being put under pressure because he's he's being needed to be defended because he's in those positions. When we see Emerson Royale get the ball, he has loads of space and doesn't know what the fuck to do with it because they know and they being defenders they know they don't really need to do anything with it with him they can give yeah. him loads of space in the ball because he doesn't know what to do with it when he has loads well, the of space interesting in the thing ball. about sorry to cut you off but the and and i'm not even gonna like argue with you but the interesting thing about conte's wingbacks the most effective wingbacks that have ever played under conte um Perisic is certainly one of them tended to be wingers turned wingback and doherty is is not that right so I, I don't know what – I think one of Conte's challenges with this team is is figuring out, you know, first of all, there's no one I'm interested in who, who serves as a functional winger on this team that I would like to turn into a wingback. Like, you heard the Lucas rumblings. He, he played around with that, right? You heard the Brian Heald rumblings. Never going to happen. So I think it is a little bit different in a more physical game where you need a little bit more of, of you know, a, a defensive physical approach to your game. So – there's always a nuance there when like trying to find a wing back, but I just don't think that Conte has someone on the right side that he, he has that's ever going to be effective enough. Right. Right now on the squad, maybe Spence can become that or something, but we certainly have a defensive option in Emerson and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. We need that. Right. When we play city, I want Emerson on the fucking field. I do not want to see somebody getting cooked, he, right? And he's I mean gotta, it, he's got to he's got to go back to last year's version of defensive Emerson though because this year he has not been good defensively either. Dude, honestly, he No, but how many times have you been paired with Sanchez on that side? To be fair. On well, I, I don't know, he, man. Even, I think, even even when he's been paired with Romero on that side, he's not been good defensively. All I know is when we're playing the You've been very harsh on his defensive abilities this year. He was, he was, before he got sent off in the Arsenal match, he was horrific defensively. He was an absolute train wreck defensively in that match prior to, prior to his sending off, which I'll remind everyone was a stupid foul. And even though we're all bent out of shape that it was a straight red, you can't make that foul in that position. And Ugh. I just and don't you know, think... You know yeah. what, though? Hey, do you know what? You don't make that foul when someone's going away from you as well. Right, it was a right. pointless tackle. That's that's the point. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Who else? You know who also had a terrible game defensively? Romero. Like, that's yeah, he did. Northland he and did. Darby. He did. He and, and, and I don't want to use, like, the Northland and Darby as the reason to say he can't defend anymore because he can't. And I know you're not, right? I'm just making a point here. But I, I, I think 
when when we're playing a super super defensive compact block against City, I do not want Matt Doherty playing. I'll tell you that, right? Like <laughs> I, I do want Everson. So all I'm saying is Everson. No, but what I will say about that team, is. I don't want to see Matt Doherty or I don't want to see Emerson over Matt Doherty anymore. If it's not for rotational purposes or for Matt Doherty still coming back from an injury. And I get, and I I get fully that Emerson is going to play at midweek this week because he can, he's eligible to play in champions league. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And for rotational purposes, I get that, but I want to see Matt Doherty next week against, uh, I believe it's Everton. Like I want to see Matt Doherty again. Um, yeah, well, but because, honestly, because though, no purpose not to. Totally, and if I'm Conte, I look at my team. That's my only question right now. I think the midfield's even fine. Basuma is starting to settle, right? But who is my who is my who is my right wing back right now? Because he's got two left wing backs right now. He does. I think Sessignon and Perisic are playing well, and and but I, I ask questions about who, who is my right wing back. And maybe you sit your, your two guys down or your two and a half in Spence and ask that fucking question pretty directly, right? Who is my right wing back? Why don't you boys tell me? But I think at this point, you know, we're going to have to figure out who can, who can do the job. And right now it's Doherty because he's in the right position yeah. um, the, for the system. Right. But he'll never be the finisher that we need. Like you, you look, you look at, again, back to my Conte wingbacks. Great example, Juan Cuadrado, right? The guy's a straight winger, and Conte just turned him into a beast as a right wing back to where he continued to play right back for the rest of his career after Conte had got his hands on him, right? He was a true right back by the time he, you know, I think he still plays actually as a right, as a right back. But um, but we, we've got to figure that out because somebody out there can do this job, and I just think we've, we've got to find them. So I, I, don't, I don't need Matt Dar to be a finisher. I need him to pull – defense to him because he knows what he's doing and create more space for the guys who are finishers. Exactly. He had, yeah, yeah. Yep. Emerson doesn't pull that space. No, 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 he doesn't. What he pulls that space is just, they give him all the space in the entire world. Uh, That's what I'm saying. And and, and he doesn't have space in the final third. He has that space in like the middle of the pitch. Right. And when he he has the ball out there, he doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. Well, it's, it's not that he doesn't know what to to fuck. I, I, I want to be very clear about this. Emerson is a good footballer. Okay. He's just a right. He's just a right back. Yeah. All right. It's not that he doesn't know what to do with it when he gets there. So he does not have the tools in his locker to accomplish that job. Period. Yes. And, and that's, and that's spot on. I, I think that's well said. The other big change in this match, obviously is the formation, which we haven't even really got into, but Basuma comes in Let's and I it. thought, I thought this is something that, that, that was being called for i think not only because we feel like it gives us more control against in the midfield against a team like brighton um which was key to this match i think but also i think it 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 hones in our attack a little bit more it doesn't allow richarlison to just be out there wandering um it it honed in the attack a little bit more for kane and son and getting that midfield the push it needed i i liked the change i'm not saying i, I still think that there's something to be said about 352 is not for every match and it's not it's not going to work from jump in every match but in this match it really did i thought all three midfielders were quite good um even though basuma was playing on a on a foolish yellow for for most of of his time because that's something that he's gonna have to clean up a little bit um but i thought the midfield was good and the goal that comes off of you know, pretty much off of a set piece, off off the aftermath of a set piece, um, was 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 brilliant. And this was a a case where Sonny 
Sonny's precision came in, you know, where, where, where Sun and Kane were not precise at midweek against Eintracht. They were in this moment and that, both, that precise, ended, yeah. both were precise and that ended up being enough. Right. Shuban? Yeah. It was just, it was, a, it was, a, it was, I mean, when you looked at it, it was like the decision by Kane, like the, you know, the, you know, the, the pace is on the ball. All I've got to do is just guide it a little bit. His movement. I think, I think I can't remember who was playing him on side was superb because he, he's offside and he comes back in. It's just a superbly worked goal. And it's a game because I saw Liverpool versus Brighton last week and Brighton, every time they were going forward, they looked as if they could score at will or at least create a chance. I think they didn't have that many chances. I don't know XG. That's more Scotty's department. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the XG no, I'll tell I, you was very close. Spurs Spurge edged uh, Brighton in XG, but only by like seven tenths of a, of a of an XG. Like it was very close in terms of XG. But I just felt that, like I said, I mean, there were moments where there was a there was a, a stray pass, whatever, and then because we were so lucky that Basuma was there to do the cleanup job, which. I don't. I don't want to say he was the cleanup guy or something, but he gave them a little bit of extra assurance and he gave them a bit more license to go forward. And mm-hmm. all right, they're not what I call, you know, yeah, you know, they're, they're not going to like score thirty-five yarders or put in like those ridiculous passes because they they are box to box. They're more of a shield than they are a sword or something. But I just thought, you know what? They felt liberated. I think. Mm-hmm. I think having that and Basuma. I think when we're not going to do the best Basuma yet because look, he had COVID when he first came to. Was it when he went to the career games? He wasn't able to train. There's been some knocks. I think he went with Marley or something, and he got injured or something slightly. So I am hoping that this three-five-two, we get to see more of it because we've. Well, I think we said earlier that Richarlison isn't really working as a right wing forward, and I think I would rather take the increased strength in midfield and control in midfield over the loss of. Yeah, I mean, obviously there were times you think, oh, you, you kind of wished. There was another player. I mean, and I think we're going to talk about. I think hopefully we will talk about Cess because this. I mean, I was actually there for the Brighton game when um, we, you know, we got hammered three 0 and that was the nadir of the Pochettino era. Literally, I think he got sacked like about a couple, of, like a week later or something. But um, it was, and Cess was there. I don't. I can't feel was there. He was, he was playing on the game, but I think he was definitely on the squad at the time. And to see the transformation in Cess and. He just, like I said, I was looking at that team. I couldn't think of a single player that I thought, Do you know what, you didn't play well. It was solid all around. Yeah. And that is rare. And do you know what? Sometimes, look, I would love to win every game 3 0 or 3 2, like a really exciting on the edge of my seat, all that kind of stuff. I would love to do that. But sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes you have to get the job done. And Conte, what people forget about his championship win with, um, uh, with, with Chelsea, yes, there were a lot of games where they won three or four now, whatever. But a lot of those games, especially in that run, we had like 14 games in a row where they won, were one nils. Yeah. It was a whole bunch of one nils. And sometimes you need to do that. It's just some very unfortunate that City have Haaland, who can he's like a cheat code. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, that's that's that is what it is. But no, I, I think you're right to shout out Cess. I think you're right to shout out the fact that no one in this game everyone was better than mediocre. Everyone was better than, you know, better than, than whatever, 6.7, you know, everyone was like a seven or above for me in this game. Um, And, and I thought that was, that was key. And, and like you said, it's not like Brighton were flying down the pitch. Now with this formation, 
I'm not sure this is a formation I want to see against a team like Everton, where I think you can go out there in your standard uh, five, two, three and, and go out there and, you know, you don't need to dominate the midfield, but, but midweek next week against Man United, maybe it is because I want a little bit more control in that midfield in a, in a match like that. I want a little bit more oomph going forward in that midfield to help out the wingbacks a little bit more. Um, and I think that says a lot more about Everton versus Man United than, than anything else. Um, maybe it's something that gets used against Eintracht at midweek, but I, I don't know. I think, I think those two teams looked fairly level last week and Eintracht was playing their, you know, their version of their, what, three, five, two or three, four, three, or whatever, you, whatever you'd want to call what they were doing. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that, I think that this is something that you pick your spots with and you, you, you utilize when needed, but I don't think it's needed all the time, but I do. I did like what I've seen from, from Basuba. And, and if, if, if you can get anything that causes Richarlison to stop just running around aimlessly and falling over, I'm in favor of it because that's something that is hey. already starting to get on my nerves. Hey, he stood up. He's, hey, he, he stood on his feet uh, against Brighton. I was actually very impressed. There were a couple of times he could have gone down. I feel like they're coaching him to keep his fucking feet. So I was well, a bunch of Italian coaches, dude. They're going to, he sure, he sure didn't in Germany that. midweek. In Germany, he was rolling all over the floor. All right. I, I will say that I actually think we're going to see that formation consistently going forward. And when I say consistently, I mean like as the majority. So that's interesting. Major- majority can always be 51 49. So we got to be careful here, but I, think I don't think you, I don't think you will I, when Kulisevsky's healthy though. No, but that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm going at here. Like I think it's like a 75 25 midfield or three, uh, three, five, two rather than three, four, three. And, and for, I say that for a couple of reasons. One Conte, played around with both formations in England, got beat by Arsenal, went to the 3-5-2 at Chelsea for the rest of the season, won the league. At Inter, same thing. 3-4-3 was a little bit shaky, shifted to 3-5-2 about halfway through the season when Ericsson became ready to click on, and they went and won the league. I think what we're going to see – is that Conte wants a 3-5-2. He's always been trying to get to a 3-5-2. 3-4-3's been a little bit more effective for us. We're getting closer, though, with Basuma settling in, and I think Kulisevsky can be the Erickson. Kulisevsky, his passing acumen is elite. He's he the, the balls he plays are always carefully chosen. He's, he's willing to play that ball through really tight space that needs to be played, right, to open up space. Um, and I, I think as Kulisevsky continues to come back from injury and continues to get time with Conte, he'll, he'll be very effective there. So I think we see the three five two. I think it allows, you know, you to give a rest to guys like Bentaker and Hoybier, who are certainly going to need them soon when Basuma settles in and Skit comes back. Right? It's, it's, it's four guys for maybe, you know, two and a half positions, right? Yeah, Instead I of three. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I don't know. I, I think we'll see it more often. Now, I, I, I'm not even. I don't even want to like debate your point because we need to be able to play both of those formations functionally well. It's super important, right? Because again, like you said, like there are going to be times where I think we will want to be more expressive with our attacking play and not be so worried about what's happening in the midfield. But um, there are times when we're going to want to control the game. And against Brighton, I think Brighton might be. 
it's, it's a shame we don't have Dakota, but Brighton might be like the number one contender for a game you're going to want to try to control the midfield in, right? Um, bar like a city who doesn't need even mentioning at that point. So, Yeah. Um, I think the only other really big thing that's notable out of this match is the knock that Kane took late. Uh, looked like an ankle. We will see. He, he, he did speak after the match and said it, it kind of downplayed it, said he'd be fine, but um, just something to keep an eye on as we head forward, obviously knowing that over the next month uh, to six weeks, there are a shit ton of games and they are two and three games a week. And anytime you get kicked in your Achilles, it hurts like shit. Like exactly. Um, yeah, I, I can testify. Nah, bro, to he that. spent all that money. I can yeah. testify. Yeah. To yeah. That. Shoes yeah. Yeah, shoes oh, no. So no, man, but something to note. There. Kane spent all that money to not get injured anymore. So I think we're good. Yeah. I don't remember hopefully. what he did. He, he brought hopefully. in that crazy specialist, right? From Canada. As I mentioned, though, top of the pod, quarter of the season done, um, Spurs sit third. They are four points off the top, um, and that's not really a bad place to be. They are also, uh, I'll say, six points clear of fifth. So I, Dude. I can't really be upset with, with the way that these you know first uh, nine games now have gone in the league. Um, and I yeah. can't really be upset with the first three in the Champions League group stage either. They are in position in both to – still have a really, really good, nothing has, everything's out in front of them still uh, a quarter of the way through the season. And it's weird to be talking a quarter of the way through the season. It doesn't really feel like we're a quarter of the way through the season to me, but Halfway we are. Halfway through the first half. Well, yeah. yeah. Do you remember how depressed we were last year? Do you remember guys how depressed we were? And I think it was like, was it this time last year? We were coming up to, what was it? The El Sacchio or something between Spurs yeah. and Man U or something. It was roughly like this time last year. And I think, there's been a real turnaround in terms of what we are hoping expectations. Cause last year we're like, Oh, let's just not be embarrassing again or something. And now we're like, we're like third, uh, as, as you said, we're making progress. And you know, like I said, I looked at say, obviously seeing someone like Ryan Sessignon coming on, Skip coming on as well, who I think had a decent, you know, decent, some minutes. And I really do think that, you know, cause I think Antonio Conte, he's always going to ask for a bigger squad. He's always gonna. He's like that, that. That's his job. His job is to say, "Look, I want the best people," and that's what you should be asking for. As any manager, if you, you guys, some, some, yeah. I mean, I know. Was it TC? You work in. Uh, I see you. You know, you, you have people reporting to you. Uh, to, uh, sorry, um, Scotty, you look to try and recruit people to positions. You want to give people the best. Give managers the best people. You as a manager want the best people working for you. Yeah, and that's just the way it works. And. Yeah, you know, believe me, I would love to get like a, you know, someone like Ashraf Hakimi or something that, you know, and Brozovic and who else for him, but we can't. So hopefully, we, yeah, but hopefully, you know, this is where coaching comes in and, well, you know, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And if you look at how the table is shaping up, you guys talking about the two seasons, we need to be, we need to be sniffing, sniffing the title or the, not the title, but, you know, we need to be sniffing the top of the table. And I mean, like the first spot on the top of the table, right? come end of the first half of the season, I think it's important. And I'm going to cause a little bit of chaos and say that the, today's result was good for us, Arsenal beating Liverpool. And I know you guys, it might be painful to hear that for all of our listeners, right? But <laughs> today today thinned the top of the of the table a little bit more for us, I think. And I'm not I'm not worried about Liverpool, I got to be honest. I think Liverpool no, are I know, but, but meeting honestly, their maker right now. <laughs> they were Spurs are 10 points well, clear of Liverpool right now. They'll recover though and they'll make up some points and I think they will, they, but but honestly like the more it becomes us Arsenal and City at the top of the table, the better we are because Arsenal 
will taper off. I'm I'm telling you guys, they they remind me so much of us under Pochettino right now at the beginning of all of that. Like honestly, like for like, man. And I'm like for like, and I'm they will taper off. They will end up getting top four for sure, but they will not sustain what they're doing right now. Um, I don't even think today's results terribly impressive to your point, Andrew. But I think what we saw today was positive because I think it continues to, to, to thin the herd at the top of the table. And if we can go into the World Cup in a three-horse race with City and Arsenal, let's fucking go, baby, because it will turn into a two-horse race between Spurs and City, and we'll get second. Long, long, long fucking way to go. I, I, I meant to just say quarter pole, we're looking good, and Scott's talking about oh, title chase. Let's fucking go. Let's let's get to the uh, the end of November and 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 reassess because it's honestly a long way till then um, when we when we dive into uh, a, a long break. But uh, we will see. And a busy week again for Spurs. Obviously, they uh, they get the get back home after a couple of NFL games in the stadium. They get to host uh, Eintracht Frankfurt on Wednesday and Everton next Saturday. So. Uh, Two big games, uh, three points needed from both. So it, it'll be fun to see. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at the Tottenham Depot. Shuban can be followed at the real Shuban. Todd is at TC underscore Kasho. Uh, Scott is at DSM Spurs. You can follow me at Astetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and uh, tell a friend. We're spreading the word about the Tottenham Depot going forward. Uh, this has been a fun one, gentlemen. Thank you for spending your Sunday afternoons with me uh, and talking some Spurs as we do every week. We'll see you back here next weekend for another edition. Until then, as always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.